Jenny Detweiler, and I invite you to come and join me as we take a pause in our busy day and pursue soul care, as we allow our bodies to slow down and our minds to be renewed with goodness, truth, and hope. This is PRN. Pause, renew, next. Hello, friends. Welcome. No matter how you're arriving to this podcast today, just know that I'm really glad that you're here. We're going to start our time together, as we usually do, with a slowdown and centering activity. And today we're going to do that by accessing our memories. So right now, in this moment, I want you to think about a moment of beauty that you've experienced in your life. Could have been recently, could have been a long time ago. A moment of beauty. Maybe it was a moment of actual literal beauty, like you beheld something beautiful. Maybe it was a moment of beauty in a relationship, like a moment of connection, of being seen and understood. Maybe it was a moment of beauty in your spiritual life. Maybe it was a moment in nature. Whatever your moment of beauty was that is coming into your mind right now as we talk about it, just notice it and sit with it for a minute. What images come into your mind that are associated with that memory? When you think about that, what are the images that pop up? Are there any sounds associated with that memory? Are there any words that come into your mind when you think about that moment of beauty? And as you remember that moment, what were the emotions that you felt in that moment as you experienced beauty? And what did you feel in your body? And now notice how you feel right now after having thought about that moment of beauty. What do you notice in your body right now as you bring that up? Anything that came up is welcome. We started our time together by accessing a memory because in the next couple of episodes, we're going to be talking a lot about memory and how memory relates to knowing and making sense of our stories. So that moment that you just pulled up was one moment, one little paragraph of your story. And it's fun to look back and think about those things. Where we are right now in the present, in this moment, is where our story is currently being written. But everything before this very moment, even what happened a few seconds ago, is made up of memory. For that reason, memory is incredibly important to processing our stories. So first, let's talk about what is a memory? Well, the definition is the faculty by which the mind stores and remembers information or a recollection. So it's like encoding, storing, and recalling. That's what our memories are. So first, we probably need to say that there's a lot that's not yet known about memory and probably a lot that I don't know about memory because I'm not a full-time neuroscientist. So I'm gonna talk in broad terms about some things I think are of note and important to us in the context of thinking about our stories. So first of all, when we think about memories, it's like we can't touch them, you can't feel them, you can't actually find them in the brain, like you can't access them by saying, oh, I think it's right there and pointing to a specific spot. 
it's a kind of ephemeral in that way. And what we're knowing more now than we used to know is that the brain and the body, they are separate. But if we're talking about the mind, in a way it's both. Because our brains have a lot of information that's going there, but they're also constantly communicating with our bodies. And sometimes memories are stored in the body as well as in the brain. And we can talk more about that next week when we talk about specific kinds of memory. But I do think that that's an important thing to point out is that our bodies hold on to some of it too. That's why we say the body keeps the score. But just at a base level, here's what we could say about memory. When things happen, when we experience things, that information goes straight to what we call the hippocampus, the part of the brain called the hippocampus. And from there, that information stays in the hippocampus from anywhere from two to seven days during what is called the maturation process. Now, I don't know all of what transpires during that maturation process or when it decides that, ding, it's done, because it could be anywhere in that amount of time. But when, when it has finally matured, what it does is figure out where in the brain that memory needs to be associated with, and it stores that memory accordingly. So it associates that memory with other things and puts it in the brain with those other things. So it's associated with other things. And what's left in the hippocampus is basically like a little arrow pointing to where it got stored. So you can't find it in the hippocampus anymore, but there's kind of like a little arrow there saying like, oh, it's that way. We put it over there. So interesting, you guys. It's so fascinating the way that our brains work. So partly I'm just talking about it because it's neat and I just want to share. But also because it's really important to understand that our brains are complex and this whole memory thing is more than meets the eye. It also is important to say that memories change over time. Now the event that happened doesn't change, but our recollection of it does, or it can. And there could be a lot of different reasons for that. But consider for our purposes, the following reason. As we grow and mature and add experiences and context to our lives, the lens by which we view past experiences may take on a different hue or a different perspective. So when you're five and you think about something that happened to you in kindergarten, that memory is made. When you think about that same event when you're 10, you're gonna see that slightly differently. When you're 25 and you think back on that same memory from when you were five, you're probably gonna see that slightly differently. And when you're 50 and you look back on your kindergarten year, you're probably gonna see that even slightly differently. It was the same event, but by the age of 10, by the age of 25, by the age of 50, your life has filled out so much more information. There's so much more associations in your brain. There's so much more in your mental schema and your mental map about the world. There's different contexts now that we're looking back on that information with. And so we can't see it now at the age of 50 the way that we could at the age of five. That memory has at least a little bit changed. Another way of thinking about that is if we're reading a book and we're introduced to a character early in the book, let's say page seven, we have some context and understanding of that character. We get an idea who they are, but if you ask us about that same character and that same event on page seven, by the time we're at page 275, well, now we might be seeing that slightly differently and things might be clicking into place a little bit more. 
Like, oh, that's why that character did that on page seven. Now it's making a lot more sense because you have more context with which to view it. So what does this have to do with our stories? Well, probably an awful lot, but it makes me think about something that Dan Allender, who is a Christian therapist, a really famous one who's written lots of books. You can go out and read, read about him or listen to him on his podcast. But I recently heard him say that we as humans, we are meaning-making, storytelling, story-hearing people. I'm like, we live and breathe stories and we are living one. And our job constantly is to make meaning of what is happening. That's what we do. He said, we are story-bound creatures. Wow, story-bound. What does that mean? It means that you can't escape your story. You're bound to it. And that could be seen a couple of different ways. One, like bound, the word bound could mean like we're in bondage to our story, to our own memories, we might say, to the way that we associate those memories and make sense out of them, make meaning out of them. And maybe all we want to do is escape it. We don't even want to be associated with those memories, with that part of our story, maybe even with trauma that has happened to us. It feels like bondage to us. We just want to start all over. We want to start fresh. And the thing is, we really can't. Like a lot of us try every year on January 1st to do a new me. But the truth is you carry yourself, your same self, into the next year. You might change some aspects, but your story is still your story. We are bound to it. But another way we could think of that bound piece is bonded We are bonded to our story. It helps us make meaning of and sense of who we are, where we've come from, where we're headed. It's a part of making sense of our own identity. Bonded. That has a different frame of reference than bondage, doesn't it? We can't escape our story. We can't escape necessarily even our memories. But the good news is we can reprocess some of it. We can reframe some of it and how we make meaning of our story. It is the work of becoming bonded to our story rather than defined by it or in bondage to it. There are so many places to start with this work, you guys. In fact, you kind of already have. If you're a living, breathing human listening to this today, you're already in process of making sense of your own story. But in beginning to reframe and think about being bonded to it in a positive way, making sense of it in a healthy identity formation way, there are so many places to start. You can begin by writing out your story by journaling. But know that there's only so far we can get by ourselves, with ourselves, making sense of our own story. Because all of it's already trapped in your own brain. It's already been there. There's something about being with another individual, an empathic safe person where we can bounce it off of another human and make sense out of it that helps us see things differently. So go ahead and do some journaling. Definitely with the Holy Spirit's help, I would say you can begin to make some sense of it and to begin to get a written sense of your narrative. Also, find good, safe people, good, empathic listeners who you can sit with and tell pieces of your story. That could look like a wise therapist, someone trained in empathic listening, a wise and healthy mentor, or a spiritual director. 
Those are just a few safe places to start. But remember that if your memories are full of trauma, definitely find a trauma-informed person that you can sit with to begin making sense of this. Sitting and talking and sorting with a safe person helps us begin to see our own story through someone else's eyes and gain more compassion. And that's the goal, to gain a better sense of self-awareness, of self-compassion, and even of compassion for others and their stories, and of our true, authentic identity. That is what story work is all about, to become bonded in the healthiest way. I also believe that with the Lord's help, it is holy work. He helps us recontextualize, add clarity, holiness, forgiveness, and grace to the cracks and crevices of our stories and our memories that we would just rather leave forgotten. Well, you guys, that is our memory intro. In the next episode, we'll be jumping into two kinds of memory, implicit and explicit, and how those types of memories function very differently, but both ultimately affect the way we interact with our stories. So I hope you'll come back and listen to that episode as well. Well, as always, I'd like to leave you with a benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I'm Janita Weiler with PRN. Pause, renew, next. May you be encouraged on your journey with Jesus. Thank you.